0: My name is Scott Chaloner, and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what is a cool but quite bright winter morning here in the capital. And I'm delighted to say that joining me on the programme to hopefully add more brightness to affairs this morning is Russell Evans, one of the partners at Prime East. Uh, Russell, very warm welcome to yourself this morning, and thanks ever so much for joining us today.
1: lovely to be here.
0: Likewise Russell, immense pleasure having you alongside me. Um, Now just for those regular listeners tuning in that might not be familiar with yourself and your business, uh, Prime East essentially provides leadership development training, I believe I'm right in saying.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's a couple of strands to what we do. We develop leaders rather than calling it leadership development training. Training is a, um, you know, seems to be one of these terms which uh, Automatically brings lots of connotations with it. Um, so we look at developing leaders in a number of ways through uh, through, through coaching, through uh, learning experiences, and uh, getting people to stretch themselves a little bit and uh, perhaps deal with some unfamiliar stuff. So uh, training is a small component, but it's a little bit broader than that. Mm.
0: Yeah, certainly seems so. And, um, I suppose from a personal point of view, um, you've obviously not always worked in this industry. You've obviously worked in the retail sector for quite some time and also had an experience with the, uh, the Royal Air Force uh, before that. Um, has that sort of experience, would you say sort of rubbed off on sort of your own leadership style and the kind of aspects that you take into leadership training now?
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my first leadership role, uh, I had at 19 really proper leadership role, if you like. Um, I'd applied to join the Royal Air Force as a pilot out of school, didn't get in, took a job in a retail organization as a temporary fix um, and spent three years there. Um, in, I started as a sales assistant but within six months was leading a store, a team of 10 people. And uh, I did that until my early twenties. Uh, went into the Royal Air Force um, to fly. I didn't do so well, so I came out because I couldn't, you know, couldn't follow the career I wanted. However, essentially, that was about developing my capability as a leader. My time in the Royal Air Force, and then when I went back working in wider retail organisations, um, I spent most of my time leading. So, it, it, in some ways, I've spent the last thirty-five years being in various kinds of leadership positions and all of the formal development and informal development you get just by doing the job and getting stuff right and getting stuff wrong and having good mentors and coaches all of that influences your emerging leadership style if you like and i think if you talk to most leaders they'll they'll probably give you a a, a story that's similar to that
0: Yeah, definitely. And I suppose you've been sort of no stranger to sort of challenges in your sort of time in leadership, specifically um, with uh, Prime Eastern, especially because uh, you sort of came in at the time of the sort of global financial crash. I believe I'm right in saying, and then over the last two years, you then also had to contend with the very many challenges of the uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, which of course was completely unprecedented. Um, so, what has it been like, sort of negotiating sort of those two major challenges, both sort of a decade ago and also more recently?
1: Yeah, it's um, it, it it it's an interesting pattern. Yes, I I, I took over running Prime East as uh, md uh, about 10 days before northern Lock, northern rock crashed and uh, uh, the global financial crisis hit the uk so we had that to we had that to ride out we did in between that and the uh, the, the covid dramas uh, we did uh, have historically done a lot of work in the energy industry and in oil and gas and um of course there was a big change and a big disruption to that industry probably about five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. So there's really been three lumps in uh, our road, effectively. However, the the approach to them has been uh, in some ways consistent, um, you know, stepping back, taking an opportunity to review, understanding um, the broader context and how these disruptions uh, affect our business in not only in the short term, but in the medium to long term as well, and taking the opportunity to reshape the business, obviously to cope in the short term to survive, if you like, but also then taking those opportunities to be able to say, okay, so if there is a a different future that we have, actually, how do we reshape our approach uh, for running the business itself? You know, operationally. But also in terms of how we provide services and and go to market. So uh, each of the three disruptions, if you like, has had a slightly different flavour, but um, but but the overall approach has been the same. And I suppose if you wanted to, if you do wanted to describe it, we always look at these things as an opportunity. And I and that possibly sounds a little bit trite, uh, but there is almost always an opportunity in uh, this kind of disruption
0: you just have to be really courageous and um curious at looking for it i think that's very right isn't it there is always sort of a silver line for productivity and opportunities within a crisis and i think the the, that period of self-reflection that we've sort of taken away from the sheer disruption of covid it's really helped from a very leadership perspective, hasn't it? Because we've learned a lot about ourselves, our teams, the way our businesses operate. And we've had that opportunity to sort of implement changes for what is going to be sort of the post-pandemic world, especially in the last couple of years, because we've seen a real hastening of the digital revolution for one thing and wholesale changes to working practices. So it is a time of all change, isn't it?
1: It is indeed. And, and it, it, you know, there's a lot in the media really talking about the new normal or the post-pandemic era or whatever you want to call it. Um, the reality is, since, since the Industrial Revolution, so back in the early 1800s, we've been in, uh, you know, we've been in a state of flux, we've been in a state of change. You know, if if you look at the World Economic Forum, um, and Klaus Schwab, who used to be the head of the World Economic Forum, you know, he describes what we're experiencing now as the fourth industrial revolution. You know, The first was the advent of steam. The second one was mass production. The third one in the 1950s was the early advent of computers and some automated automation in factories. And really, we're, we're experiencing that fourth wave, if you like. What is different now, of course, is the huge degree of connectivity we have mm. and also the rate and pace of change, I think, is the thing that probably feels quite different. I'm, although I'm sure if we could take ourselves back 120 years and ask somebody who's working in a factory, they would feel that the change they were experiencing was casey. Uh However, you know, we are where we are. And we just need to recognize that actually, you know, with the advent of of, of, of AI and, uh, and, and you know, future technologies, actually the rate of change and the rate of disruption and the complexity of the world uh, is something that we're, you know, we've just got to learn to, to, to deal with. And, you know, in our domain of developing leaders, the people we work with are front and center of of that challenge if you like and you know part of our quest if you like is is to get leaders approach and style and thinking in a shape that um that that is appropriate for now and for what's going to happen probably in the next 20-25 years
0: yeah, exactly right. And I think one of the key things that leaders of the future are really going to have to prioritize, particularly in the aftermath of the pandemic, are aspects around sort of physical and mental well-being, aren't they? Because we become very much more aware of our own health during the last couple of years. We become very conscious of the importance of work-life balance and good mental well-being. So. Leaders have to really see the importance of that and in in terms of safeguarding not just the well being of their colleagues, but also themselves as well, because CEO burnout, director burnout is also a very, very real thing. So it's important to consider that on both fronts, isn't it?
1: It is, absolutely. Leadership is is more holistic now uh, than it's ever been. You know, the old days of command and control and, you know, scientific and process management style leadership you know really that it works in certain contexts but in most contexts actually is just not good enough for, for what we face today because as you said with the societal changes and expectations that the workforce have about um uh, moral ethical um and and you know purpose related um, conditions that we have you know we've got a we have we have a workforce now that is 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 wonderfully challenging and uh, broadly thinking about what the world means and consequently leaders have have to have to match that and of course they're part of that ecosystem too so you know it's not just a case of doing it to others they've got to create conditions where people thrive and one of the people that got to thrive is the leader themselves Mm. because otherwise as you say you get uh, you get burnout and and you know all of that magic that leaders can help people create you know that 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 stalls and that's and that's such a shame
0: yes exactly and i think you've got to show as a leader as well that you're now sort of bringing these things and integrating them into the culture of the business or the entity that you're running don't you because we're seeing a real sort of shift in the demands from sort of prospective employees I suppose aren't we when they're going forward for job roles and obviously if you don't have these sort of new considerations at the heart of what you're doing you're not going to be able to tap into that pool of talent that's out there in what is a very tough environment for recruitment right now so it's incredibly important that these things really are at the forefront.
1: Yeah absolutely you know there was a of what we call the war for talent back in the, the the 1990s the reality is you know there is a war for talent you know it's a terrible phrase really but actually it it is a hugely competitive market and the spectrum of uh, factors that highly talented individuals are looking for within an employment scenario Um, You know, they're they're, they're so much broader and consequently, you know, leaders and organizations need to get themselves match fit, if you like, to be able to attract and retain the best people. It's not just about attraction, but retention is is hugely popular, uh, you know, hugely important as well, simply because the cost of hiring is, it, it can be in certain circumstances, crazy let alone the disruption to the business so actually getting talent and then hanging on to that talent and getting them to do be able to contribute long-term value to the organization is, is really important so you know we always call it creating conditions and 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 for leaders and when I say leaders that's formal leaders so people who kind of have leader type titles but also people who have informal leadership within an organization, you know, they all contribute to how we do business round mm. here, and that holistic approach and what you deliver both in terms of tangible stuff but also aspirational value um, it, it is really important. And, you know, it's by no surprise that the best organizations attract the best people.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And I think you raise a very important point there about the fact that to be essentially a leader in your field, you don't necessarily have to sort of put yourself on a pedestal or have that sort of leadership title, as it were. I mean, you can just be as effective as almost one of those really important cogs behind the scenes, can't you? So it is important to remember that perhaps in a sort of culture in the UK today, where we sort of think of leadership as a glorified thing, and we're instantly sort of drawn to people with that CEO title or celebrities or politicians, that sort of thing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Leadership, if you you look at what leadership means, in other words, inspiring to people to, um, you know, do good work, create value, uh, and, uh, you, you know, improve the world around them. Actually, that's in so many people's jobs. And of course, live in a geographically dispersed world now Um, you know you talked when we first came on before we came on air uh, about opportunities for living at home and working and working in a hybrid context Mm -hmm. actually the hybrid context requires almost every employee to take a degree of leadership leading themselves for one because obviously they are not in a formal traditional office environment, so there's a degree of leading themselves, but also if people are separated by distance and time zone, so many of the organizations we work with uh, have multiple hubs all the way around the world. The team that they works in, in in Malaysia and, and, and Singapore, uh, there will be some formal leadership there, but the reality is, People can be distributed still hours apart within any, any region, and each of those individuals needs to take and, and, and accept and recognize that their role has some leadership in it because ultimately we, we, most of us do something in the service of customers or stakeholders, and, and consequently, Getting that decision making and that leadership as close to those people as possible—that's an element of that's an element of leadership. It's creating the right conditions for that customer or stakeholder to interact in a value creating way with your organisation. So, so leadership is leadership is everywhere, um, and
0: we, you know, we, we we've just got to recognise that it is all part of this changing ecosystem that we're living in. It is. It is very much changing times in that sense, and I think there are a lot of important factors about that sort of self leadership, self management that we talked about when we're working in the hybrid format. Because, like, we can be more productive, can't we? I suppose given that you know we don't have to necessarily take the time to commute in the morning. We can actually be sort of present and making sure that we're busy, like at times where normally we wouldn't have been if we were travelling into an office environment, but obviously there are downsides to the blurring of the lines between work life and home life to the work life balance so managing that from the well-being perspective again is also incredibly uh, important isn't it
1: yeah absolutely and and i encourage leaders that i work with to you know to engage and and, and discuss and work with their teams to create the right mix for them because that for each business scenario, or non-commercial, you know, uh, public sector, or or, or 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 charity, you know, whatever whatever domain that you that you work in, having that transparent conversation about what's the best way for us to set ourselves up, for us to operate, and for people to lead themselves and to lead each other, in order to fulfil our our purpose, the purpose of our team, you know, to do what we need to do in the best way. And of course, there will be some commonalities between how certain types of teams will have to operate. and at the same time, the the, the nuance of the the requirements of of the team situation or the business unit or the organizational situation will be uh, will be different. and consequently, Making sure that this is a regular, uh, a, a regular topic of conversation. There are many organisations that that I've spoken to recently who've said, "No, actually, we can go to a very, very limited face-to-face operation, and you know we will meet very, very occasionally face-to-face, but other than that, we'll be will be virtual." There are others who've gone quite the other way and out of a out of a, a working week they're looking at doing four days face to face and uh, and one day hybrid simply because they work in a creative environment they have found that actually they create more positive creative energy for their stakeholders and clients by being together so you know we, we've got to be constantly open remember what i said earlier about yeah. things change so frequently so the way we needed to work 6 months ago possibly not the way we need to work now and by the end of uh, by the end of the year, it might be slightly different again. So, uh, so so be adaptable to uh, um, you know the changing future, if you like.
0: We do exactly. We have to be adaptable to the demands of the uh, the post COVID world, this changing ecosystem, because it is a time of um, significant upheaval, isn't it? As we sort of start to understand what this new normal that they call might end up looking like, and just talking about the future before we wrap things up, Russell, um, as you know, these changes start to really be facilitated. What are some of Prime East's priorities and ambitions going to be over this uh, next 12 months, would you say?
1: So, for us as a, uh, a business, you know, the, the, the le- any learning business um, over the last 10 years has included um, much greater digitisation, let's call it, um, and that you is know, that is a, that is a a blend, if you like, of um, I don't know anything, anything from recommending TED talks for people to watch that are that that have good, valuable messages in it, through online learning, through, through instructor-led learning, through participate, um, ensuring that we stay up to date. So one priority for us in terms of digital platforms that enhance what we do. And that's an important thing, recognizing that the, the, the technology enables the learning rather than the other way around. You know, so, you know, we can be, as a, as a human race, quite happy to follow technology and then put the value of what we do to the technology. Sometimes that works, but actually we're talking about developing people's lives and people's businesses and careers here. So actually learning is the most important part. So increased digitization, um, continuing to develop uh, our practice around helping leaders deal with complexity. And, um, you know, complexity very much is uh, it, quite an on word, if you like, at the moment, but actually it's the reality of what we've got. It's situations where um, you cannot be guaranteed that the solution you apply on one occasion, we'll fix the problem the next time because of there are so many changing variables. And I think if there's probably one thing that we that, that we need to be, um, you know, focusing our attention on is helping people deal with complexity and changes where we recognize, you know, yesterday is different from today and tomorrow will be very, very different as well. And And developing ways to help people make that leap, if you like. Uh, into being more able to handle complexity, that's probably our biggest thing.
0: It's going to be a very interesting time, isn't it, in this ever-changing landscape that we find ourselves in, looking to, uh, to facilitate that from a leadership point of view. And as we start to really see the mist clear on that and we understand exactly what sort of form these changes are starting to come in, I'd relish the opportunity, Russell, to actually catch up and welcome you back onto the show to sort of discuss this further and just see what has changed in the uh, sort of the leadership landscape um, in the time between our discussions, because we're in that constant state of flux, aren't we, as we've discussed? And I think this certainly does warrant revisiting once more.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd be more than more than happy to come back and uh, and uh, talk about what we need to do for the future. Mm.
0: And obviously, review as well what Prime East is doing right now in sort of helping, sort of facilitate that uh, that transformation. Exactly right. Uh, sure, plenty. Of to be going on with, of course. Than,
1: more than more, 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 than happy to uh, talk that. Probably the challenge will be getting me to stop talking.
0: <laughs> of course, like I say, and uh, hopefully there'll be some real sort of positive news to share on uh, the work that you've been doing on that front line. Um, Russell, thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the show today. It's been an immense pleasure having you with us and uh, do, My, by all means, um, also take care and stay safe with all that's still going on as well.
1: Fabulous, Scott. It has been indeed a pleasure. And I look forward to catching up with you.
0: Fantastic. It was indeed an immense pleasure welcoming Russell Evans from Prime East onto the uh, the program today. And I do hope that everybody tuning in enjoyed the interview just as much as I. Um, If you have tuned into today's podcast and you feel that you have your own business, your own organisation with a story all its own of success and of innovation to share, then why don't you apply to also be on the show via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply because by all means we would certainly love to hear from you too. Until next time, to all of our regular listeners, please do take care and goodbye.